Hey, good afternoon, everybody out there. It is Wednesday afternoon. That is when we talk Missouri football. I mean, let's be honest, we talk Missouri football every day on Power Mizzou, but uh, today we do it on YouTube. Fancy for you guys. We're going to bring Gerard Hamilton and my friend Tim Fitzgerald from Go Power Cat into the show momentarily. But before we do that, what we always do is ask you guys to support the people that support us. Our shows this year are brought to you by James Carlton State Farm in St. Louis, Missouri. He can take care of all your insurance needs in the state of Missouri and the state of Illinois. They really focus on uh, on teen drivers. They've got great programs. If you have a teenage driver, which, uh, look, that's a stressful enough thing on its own. You don't need to be uh, spending more money than you need to. So get in touch with James. His information is going to be scrolling across the bottom of the screen. You can see his Facebook page, his web page, and his phone number across the bottom of the screen throughout the show. Uh, if your insurance costs you a leg and, ar and an arm, I should say, you call James Carlton State Farm. He's also going to, if you tell him you heard about him on this show, he's going to give you a quote and then he's going to donate $20 to Missouri's NIL Collective Advancing Missouri Athletes just because you called him and he's a big Missouri fan and he wants you to do that. So we got a couple guys to add into the show. Uh, right now, I do not see – oh, there's Gerard. So I can now add Gerard onto, uh, onto the show, Gerard Hamilton. And look, it's like the magic of internet TV. We've now got three of us on the screen. Uh, there is my friend Tim Fitzgerald from Go Power Cat Fitz. The last time we previewed a Missouri-Kansas State game, they were both in the same conference. Um, you know, we were, I think, on the same team at that point. I might get in trouble for having you on my show. I don't know. Uh, but neither of us had very much hair at that point either. So at least one thing hasn't no. changed. No, a lot has changed. Uh, the strangest thing that has changed was Colin Klein was the quarterback in that game, and now he's the offensive coordinator in this game. So that's very interesting. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, somebody asked me today, like memories of Missouri, Kansas State. I was like, look, I go back to to Corby, Corby Jones versus Michael Bishop. So, uh, so I've got some memories of this series, and 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 we'll get into to talking about it a little bit. But just, I we read some things over the last couple of days that that Chris Kleiman is kind of trying to build up that angle to his team. Eli Drinkwitz took the opposite approach. He goes, look, I don't think many of these guys know that much about it. It's just a game. I mean. What do you think the fan base is this is this any bigger than than any other non-conference game for K-State fans? Yeah, for the fans, certainly. And mm -hmm. welcome to the Olds because this week's Olds uh line is if you remember watching these games between these programs because the players don't. I mean, the players were in grade school. Um and you know, most of K-State's coaches, I'm sure it's sure the same with Missouri or we're not affiliated with the program outside of Colin Klein and um, so there aren't a lot of memories in the veneer complex, but they're spending a lot of time making sure everyone knows that this game's important to the fan base, not just as a rivalry, but also, let's be honest, recruiting in the Kansas City area uh, will be impacted possibly by the outcome of this game. Okay. Um, I think the big thing I, I want to know going into this game is that three-three-five defense is pretty yeah. unique. It's not something Missouri has seen. Can you kind of tell us, like, What's unique about that defense and why does it cause so many problems? I think I read something like last year they allowed only 21 points per game or something like that. That was the lowest amount since 2003. So what are the type of problems it presents? Well, what's interesting about it is uh, Chris Kleiman, uh, nor defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman, had ever run this defense before until last year. And after a couple of seasons in the Big 12, they realized they needed to be a little bit more nimble on defense. And a little more flexible in how they did things. 
and they have gone to this now um, and they are building upon what they did last season. Working at home is great with dogs. Um, and um, they uh, they seemed a lot more comfortable in it uh, coming out of camp than they were probably at any point last year. In fact, in the middle of last year, they tried to get a little more advanced in it. They struggled with it against some really good competition. So they backed up and went back to the basics and were really effective the rest of the year. So I think we might start seeing some wrinkles we didn't see last year, uh, but it has allowed them to move guys like Felix and Yudike Uzama around. Daniel Green at linebacker can come at you. Uh, Khalid Duke is someone that people aren't really talking about because he missed last year with an injury, but he was supposed to be the rush in last year before blowing a knee. He's now at that Sam linebacker spot, so he kind of lines up where he wants to line up in, in pass packages. Uh, it is difficult to defend, but the, the downside or you know, difficult to handle um, but the downside of it is it does make you lighter. It does make you a little bit uh, less physical at the point of attack, although this is a pretty physical defense. But you're essentially pulling a defensive lineman off the field for a safety or an outside linebacker. Wait, I, babe, real quick, I have a follow-up question to that real quick. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, man, it, it slipped my mind. As soon as I said that, game, I was thinking about this whole time. <laughs> I'm going to come back to it. <laughs> Okay. You're good. You're good. Well, uh, hey, this is live TV. That's the beautiful thing. But um, you see, Fitz, I'm glad it happens why... to the young people. I'm so yeah. glad. Right. Yeah. The... <laughs> it's not just us. Uh, not. But uh, the reason we have you on is you can pronounce Felix's whole name. This entire week, every show I've done, I'm like, Felix has two other names, but I can't pronounce them and I don't. We call him King so Felix. He's... Yeah, he just, he just Felix to me. <laughs> um, but I, I'm a interesting i mean you said he'd, he'd never run that style of defense but it's interesting k-state has now become um you know kind of the same style of football that bill snyder almost became known for at least in his second go round which is hey they're not going to make mistakes the game's a little bit slow they're not going to put up 40 but you're not going to put up 40 so i'm curious is that is that like a k-state thing that Kleiman adopted when he came or was that the kind of coach Kleiman was before he got there it's hard to tell because at North Dakota State, they were so much better than everyone else. Yeah. I mean, even if they were trying to possess the ball and run the clock, they'd score. So <laughs> uh, it, it just almost wasn't fair how much better they were. They were the Alabama plus at the FCS level. Um, not necessarily. And it's just kind of evolved that way as a way to uh, manage the game. Uh, but what is interesting is Colin Klein, one of the things he's come in and attempted to do was alter the tempo. They want to get about 10 more plays on the field a game. They don't want to go breakneck like some teams do that, you know, are just running constantly. That's not what they want to do. They want to be able to speed up and slow down to help manage the game and the scoreboard. Uh, so if K-State gets ahead, they'll slow down. But if they need to, you know, continue to run their offense, they can even speed up a little bit. But they're trying to find a median in there. Uh, but, you know, we've we've joked all season long that just when you thought uh, Chris Kleiman and Bill Snyder weren't alike, we're finding out they're a hell of a lot alike. I mean, they they have so many things that they do kind of behind the scenes, um, like gamesmanship. You know, K-State didn't put hardly a thing on the field last week against South Dakota. They got to a quick lead, and they went they went and got two double scoops of Bill Snyder vanilla offense. Um, so it's uh, there there are some similarities here, even though outwardly they they are much different people. How they handle the program in that locker room, it's about family and and team and, and fitting the offense, defense, and special teams into one cohesive grouping. 
I, I remember my question now, guys. So my question <laughs> with, with that three three five is, well, I know like for the four two five that Blake Baker's running, you know, he's he's pretty aggressive. He's trying to run some some different type of blitz packages. Is that kind of the same with the three three five? Is there are they trying to do some exotic blitzing from the linebacker positions, or even having one of those extra uh, secondary players come up and, and do some blitzes off the edge or something? Yeah, uh, all of that. Um, and we didn't see any of that in the week one. They just pretty much just straightforward rush the quarterback. Um, but they'll probably add a lot of that in. Um, we expect Sean Robinson to be back for this game. Ironically, he's moved from, well, let's see, he's gone quarterback, cornerback, safety. Now he's a linebacker. Uh, and so they'll find a spot for him eventually. Uh, and uh, he's expected to be back. He was out last week. Um, they have three new safeties behind him, so that's interesting. Um, for the most part, they're all transfers. Uh, they will line up and attack you from different angles. Uh, keep an eye on number two, Kobe Savage. There's never been a better named safety in the world. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't named Kobe Kind uh, because this kid is a savage hitter, and I think you will see him coming on uh, some blitzes off the edge. But they will. They'll attack you from all different angles. They'll bring guys at you different ways. And if you want to double-team Felix, the other guys in that line, Eli Huggins did a swim move on the center and went right at the quarterback last week. And, and Nate Matlack, another Kansas City kid on the other end, uh, had a sack himself. So it's a pretty effective group. Talking to Tim Fitzgerald at uh, Go Power Cat. And uh, guys, I do want to invite you comments, questions, whatever. Let them build up in the queue. After we're done talking to Fitz, we'll certainly get to those on, on the second part of the show. But um, one of the interesting parts about the transfer portal now is that these guys who used to be on the other side are now on your team, right? And, and you might have to change opinions about them. I'm curious. And, and look, we didn't find anything out about Adrian Martinez in week one. He no. threw 15 passes for 53 yards. But I'm curious because his reputation from the outside, uh, like even we were talking about our game preview before you came on. And, and Gerard said one of the key matchups is Adrian Martinez versus himself because he has this mm -hmm. reputation for... He's going to put up yards. He's going to move the football. He's also going to pick a pretty bad time to give it away. So, you know, it, to me, the approach defensively for everybody that plays Kansas State is, look, we're not going to go home and have lost because, because Deuce Vaughn beat us. We're going to go home and have lost because Adrian. we forced Adrian Martinez to do it, and he did. Is, it, is that what you think K-State expects to see most of the year? Certainly that's what uh, South Dakota chose. I mean, they mm -hmm. backed up. They had deep safeties. Casey didn't want to throw it deep. They didn't want to put that on film. And honestly, going back to what you said, I don't think K-State wanted him to turn the ball over in any way. They wanted him in no peril to turn it over and to have that echoing through his brain. Mm -hmm. So they were very very safe uh, in how they called plays, ran plays. And again, they got up very quickly. Uh, I mean, they scored a 75-yard touchdown on the first play. Deuce scored on another perimeter run. I think they had three perimeter runs in the entire game, and they scored touchdowns on all of them. Um, and and then they had a block punt, which is so K-State for a touchdown. Right. So they got just so dry at it. But they didn't want Adrian to have a bad experience. They didn't want him to turn it over. Uh, he did accomplish something remarkable in the game, though. He threw uh, – I completed 11 of 15 passes, had no turnovers, and he had a quarterback rating of 17, which I didn't know was possible. <laughs> I, I didn't really know that you could have – a winning quarterback with no turnovers have a 17 as his rating. But hey, so hey, you don't know that, what 3.4 yards an attempt will do to a guy, huh? I know. Uh, <laughs> so there's nowhere to go but up, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, if you're Missouri, you want to try to put him in uh, decision-making that uh, he has failed at. But I got to say this. I went back and watched a lot of film of him in Nebraska. 
And it looked like a kid that felt like he carried the weight of the entire Red Nation on his shoulders. It looked like a kid who had been tasked with making the big play every time they needed a big play. And that's a lot to ask. And he was also asked to do it behind a really crappy offensive line. And what we saw last week, it looked like a guy who's never had a pocket in which to operate. A guy that didn't know how to manage the pocket. That's my concern with Adrian more than anything. It's learning the nuance of when to stay in the pocket, when to run, when to, you know, maybe just kind of take the sack or throw the ball away. Because it's not on him. You have Deuce Vaughn, who is an incredible threat, not just running the ball, but boy, he's a he's awfully dangerous when they decide to throw it to him too, because he's a matchup nightmare for a defense if you end up with a linebacker on him. So I'm just really excited to to see a little bit more from this offense because we saw crap. We didn't see anything last week. Mm-hmm. Sam, the uh, question I got for you next is is about that offensive line that Adrian Martinez will be behind. Uh, I checked yesterday with their PFF grades, at least in nine of the 15 best offensive players that recorded more than 15 snaps were offensive linemen. Now, I've seen that uh, guard Taylor Portier is out for the season with an ACL injury. Can you talk, talk about how big of that a loss that is, but also kind of what they have, you know, replacing him and how they'll fare without him? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, life is so unfair. I, I, I know that myself, but Taylor missed all last season with a left knee injury that he rehabbed and rehabbed and rehabbed. And in his first game, sixth possession of the game, he blows out his right knee. So he's going to go through it all over again. Uh, now, look, they've had they've had an extra interior guy. Uh, Hadley Panzer is a redshirt freshman that they like an awful lot, was possibly going to take over at center from Hayden Gillum, a former walk-on who really played surprisingly well, to be blunt. Um, and now they'll just move Hadley into that, that guard position. Uh, but they were able to move Cooper Beebe, their, their top offensive lineman, a true NFL guy from left tackle, not a natural spot, into left guard. Uh, because they finally had someone take over that left tackle spot in KT Levinston, who's a veteran who needed to reform his body and get faster and more explosive, and he has. So this is a really good offensive line. The strength of this program under Chris Kleiman has been that offensive line under Connor Riley, uh, and he continues to you know shape it and form it in his what he wants to see from guys, which is really an athletic bunch, and, and they get after you. They are physical, mean, and they can get out there and run and pull. Missouri fans have been pointing to this game for it, it's really almost a it's not this game alone it's this and at Auburn in week four it's like you're going to the free throw line tied with no time left on the clock and you got to make one of those two because if you don't make one of those two your season can't be what you want it to be now second one always gets a little easier when you make the first one right so Missouri right. this is the one on Good on the point. slate but this is a huge swing game for Missouri season it, what is it for K State is it that as well yeah yeah well week four is Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's very similar uh, in that uh, this is a big game. You know, K-State's early schedule is very interesting because week two is Missouri, week four is Oklahoma, week six is Iowa State, which has evolved into the rivalry game for K-State since KU uh, is only a part-time participant in college football. Um, and uh, wait, 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 when did they upgrade to part-time? Well, Lance Leipold's got them to part-time okay. now. They, okay. they actually beat an FCS team, so we're yeah. going to give them part-time. Um so those those every other week games are just huge for the program, just enormous. Um, and then they run into a gauntlet in the second half, but that's okay. The Big 12 is hyper-competitive. But, yeah, same way. Uh, you win this game, uh, you can – you don't want to say afford to lose to uh, Missouri – or, excuse me, in Oklahoma, but um, it becomes more palatable at that point if you come out of the 
first four games at three and one. Can you kind of talk about some exploits that, that Missouri can, you know, try to take advantage of Casey? I mean, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like there's, they're good and loaded everywhere, but every team yeah. has its flaws. So what are some things that, you know, K-State can work on? Well, um, I'm, I'll be interested to see what K-State does uh, against a more effective passing game because South Dakota typically can throw the ball, but they had a lot of drops. I and mean, it just, it honestly, it skewed the stats, making K-State's defense look even better than it was. There was just a lot of inefficiency on the part of um, the Coyotes last week. So uh, trying to just mix the run and the pass together, I think is uh, really important for Missouri. Uh, you can't get too predictable against this defense. I'm telling you what, if, if Missouri wants to be successful, they better be successful on first and second down because third and long for opponents this year for K-State with, with this group of pass rushers led by Felix um, is going to be brutal. I mean, they're going to come after you. So having success early will be important. But K-State also last year had problems on third down, uh, and they're trying to uh, you know, get a little bit better in that area. So we'll just see how that plays out. Uh, Tim, last thing for me, I just want to ask you, what, what's the atmosphere going to be like? And we've got got a viewer wanting to know, I mean, I think it's sold out, but yeah. walk-up tickets, is there any way to standing get room. in the stadium? Yeah, I hear there's standing room only tickets um, available as of earlier this week. But this game sold out pretty much immediately um, in terms of fixed seating uh, after single tickets went on sale to donors. So it's going to be a big crowd. It was a sellout for South Dakota, which was a positive sign. I think there's the – COVID bounce back is happening. We're beginning to see people go back to the stands. It looked like Missouri was pretty darn crowded too. So that's really fun. You know, the big storyline as we head into this game at Kansas State is a chant uh, by the student body uh, that uh, I will shorten the first word. It's FKU. And they're doing it to the Wabash Cannonball now, which is, you know, a, a favored uh, school tradition. So there's a big pushback to try to stop it. But I've warned people that this is not the game to stop it because if the students start chanting FKU, the visiting uh, crowd will join in. They'll and join so, in. Right. Yeah, it, it won't help at all. It won't help with, with the Missouri fans just saying, yeah, we agree. We're going to go along with this sentiment. But it's going to be a great atmosphere. I, I kind of, as an old, I'm happy the game's at 11 so we can get it out of the way and, yes. and go about other stuff. I've done a 180 on that as I've aged. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a beautiful day in Manhattan. might get a little warm, but... This is going to be fun. I hope this isn't the only time these two programs play uh, because I like it. I like this revisiting these old rivalries an awful lot. Mm -hmm. And K-State's got some games on the schedule in the future that if the Big 12 does expand West, will become conference games, and they're going to have to find some new non-conference opponents, including Arizona and Colorado. I just want to say that answer brought back some really bad memories of me, like driving home with Wabash Cannonball, just like ringing in my head after having been in Bramlage Coliseum. So, yeah. Yeah, it uh, there they did it in the pregame. The students erupted with the FKU chant, and they didn't play Wabash again in the entire game. So it was okay. a little odd. It, they got to sort this out. They got to figure this one it, out. It's a regional thing. They play. They started playing Mr. Brightside here last year at sporting events, and there's a break in the lyrics where the students just fill it in with the same chant. So, okay. you know, wow. uh, enemy of my enemy is your friend is how it goes around here. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> Ger Gerard, you got anything to finish up with, man? I mean – you know, it's going to be interesting for me because I was I was born not too far from there. So I, I'm interested to see what, you know, what the atmosphere is like. I'm interested to see these like I feel like both teams kind of had a 
a bullying situation last week with their opponents, kind of a pick on somebody mm-hmm. your own size type of fight this weekend or game this weekend. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And for any Missouri fans coming into town, uh, if you are coming down I-70, go around Topeka. The Topeka's got is all torn up. Uh, they had a bridge Sweet. Collapse. That's where we're staying Friday oh, night. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's a mess. Uh, congratulations on staying in Topeka. Um, <laughs> but, Gabe, you won't recognize Manhattan. I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. how this city's changed. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back there, seeing you and, and a bunch of people that, that I used to be friends with that I haven't talked to for 11 years. So <laughs> I, You're still my friend. All right, Tim. Even appreciate though you're it, quite early arrival. I hope you're doing well. I hope, I hope you're feeling well and look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thank you, buddy. Nice to meet you. Joe. All right, man. Nice to meet you. Tim Fitzgerald from uh, gopowercat.com. Appreciate him joining us. Uh, and, and Fitz and I go way back to uh, probably 2003 when I started doing this thing and Missouri was in a conference. A little different view of me here. We had a little technical hiccup there. I don't know what happened. My camera decided it wasn't going to work for a little while. So uh, we're back on this camera and uh, do want to want to remind you, call your attention to that banner going across the bottom of the screen before Gerard and I start to answer your questions and kind of finish up talking about this matchup. James Carlton State Farm. I talked to James earlier this week. He is very excited for this game. Big Mizzou fan, uh, Power Mizzou subscriber, uh, supporter of the program. So all we ask you guys is, hey, if you got insurance things going on, if you think maybe you could get a better rate, just give James the first shot. You don't necessarily have to go with him, but call him, give him a shot. Maybe he can save you a little bit of money. Um, maybe he can kind of explain to you, you know, what you're paying for and and where your insurance could be better. And maybe you guys can just, maybe you can call and he can talk about Brady Cook against uh, King Felix in the K-State defense. I'm sure James would enjoy that as well. If you get a quote from him, he's going to donate 20 bucks to uh, Mizzou's NIL Collective. And uh, you just got to tell him that you heard about him here on Power Mizzou. So, I don't know, Gerard, this is almost like like you summed it up pretty well there at the end. Last week was, okay, each team just warms up. I don't think each team showed much of anything offensively or defensively. And now this is, I mean, this you don't want to say it's a make-or-break game for the season because they can still have a good season if they don't win this game. But things look different for the team that comes out of Saturday with a win, don't you think? I think – we talked about this not too long ago. I can't remember if we, were, if we were doing the show or if it was just off screen, but we were talking about which one's more important, winning versus Kansas State or winning versus uh, Auburn. Obviously, you know, being in the SEC, you want the Auburn win more. But to me, when I think about which is the better team in their conference and which one is expected to make more noise, I'm thinking Kansas State. So if you get this Kansas State win, like I said, it's kind of matching up yourself against somebody your own size. I'll have a little bit more confidence you know, if they can get this win versus Kansas State, I mean, we know it's the Big 12 and all that stuff, but that's still a team expected to compete with that offensive line, with that, you know, defensive talent, things like that. So I'm I'm interested to see what they can really do versus someone their size. Yeah, Kansas State gets this win. They got a chance to jump into the top 25. This, game, this is going to be a game where one team comes out crowing about their conference and how the other one's terrible. And I, I think that's a like a ridiculous storyline, but it is fun. There's some history between these teams and, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, and case the first question, we're just going to kind of roll through your guys' questions and comments. Case's first question is what is the outlook going forward? If Mizzou wins this game. And I, I had some people ask me, Hey, did, did your opinion of the season change after the Louisiana tech game? And it really didn't for me because I, I mean, they did maybe a little more than we thought they would do, but they did what they should have done. 
this is the first one where if they win this game, I pick this to be a loss. I probably will still pick this to be a loss this week. So if they win this game, I do think that kind of changes my opinion of what they can do from here. I I agree. The only thing that changed, like what you said about beating La Tech was I was thinking it was, they weren't going to cover that big spread and they did. And when you think about it, the score should have been 52 to 10 at the least. Those Mm -hmm. two big plot, like you took wipe away the one play touchdowns or the, the miscommunications. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Missouri could have made points of their own out of those possessions if they forced a couple of punts or turnovers or whatever. So it showed me like, okay, they're not letting group of five teams kind of like in the past, how they're like letting SEMO or what is the SEMO? SEMO, yeah. Central Michigan last yeah, week. Yeah. You're not letting those teams run all over you even though they're overmatched. So that mm-hmm. that was like what you said, kind of what we expect, what they should be doing, but it's still a slight like, okay, we're glad you can do it. If they beat Kansas State, I think, outlook going forward, well, then I think, oh, you definitely should beat Auburn. Like, if you get if you get Kansas State, I think if Kansas State is better than Auburn, you should go 4-0 to start the season. Like, that's I, I think for me. I think if you win this game, you go from the goal being seven wins to the expectation being seven wins, I, I, I think is – is where I would be. And it's interesting. I think last week was kind of the perfect game because you mentioned it in what you wrote this morning. We were talking about it walking out yesterday. It was pretty clear Eli Drinkwitz went into his press conference and he said, I'm not going to talk very nice about my team because I'm going to make them understand that nothing they did last weekend matters because we have to be better this weekend. I mean, I thought that press conference was... And look, he very well may believe it. I'm not saying he doesn't believe it, but that press conference was all about telling his team Look, you really haven't done anything that should impress anybody yet. Yeah, don't don't rest on your laurels. Don't. I mean, you had the crowd behind you. It was a home game. It was Thursday night. It was mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, you had the advantage, and you're playing a team that's overmatched. But don't think because you're technically the number one run defense in the country now <laughs> <laughs> that you know that, that that's a testament of what's going to happen every single game versus these power five folks. Yeah, I'm going to guess Missouri will be at best number two in the country at run defense by next oh, week. I don't think they'll be number one. That's the best. Like, that's probably the best yeah. season right there. Yeah. Uh, Cam Cameron wants to know, with the wide receiver room left pretty thin, do you think it's possible Jamarion Wayne gets switched back to offense? And, you know, Drink kind of mentioned yesterday that they moved him when they thought that room was deep, but I, that, I don't think that's fair to the kid. He played at safety. He's been practicing at safety. I think he stays there. And, I mean, they've got guys. Like, Makai Miller can still play. Demarion Houston may still get healthy at some point. You know, basically, they're down Chance Looper. And I don't want to say that doesn't matter, but it's one guy. If 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 one guy changes where you're playing somebody, then you shouldn't move the guy to begin with. Yeah, and they still, even without Looper, they're still at least five deep as far as, because Drink said he, he was comfortable with six guys playing regularly so i mean that's a lot more than most teams most teams are comfortable with just maybe four and then going to three really in a tight end or something like that so it's not that they don't have weapons i think he's just more so talking depth wise i don't think they move wayne because like you said that's not fair to be we were you're a wide receiver we're going to switch you all Mm -hmm. all seasons to the defense and now they're probably not going to do that but i think they should be fine to be honest yeah, I, I think they're – I mean, if they have another injury, then things get interesting, but not till then. Uh, Magic Man wants to know the status of Kai Montgomery and Travion Ford, and Kai Montgomery's hurt, and we don't really know how seriously or when he's coming back. Uh, it'll be a little bit. I wouldn't expect 
much of a contribution this year simply because they've got a bunch of defensive tackles. And Travion Ford, guys, I'm just going to be honest, we just don't hear his name. Like, it doesn't come up when you're talking about defensive ends. I don't think he's hurt. I think he's just got a bunch of guys ahead of him, and he's he's going to have to get better uh, to pass some of those guys. There's there's really no more to it than that. Uh, Ryan wants to know, what was the word on why we didn't see any more carries from Elijah Young after the one series? I mean, I we didn't really ask that specific question because like after a 52-24 win, I don't really think why didn't the third tailback get more run is what you asked, but – I don't know. I was, I noticed it, Gerard. I thought it was interesting. He he seemed productive and then he just wasn't really out there anymore. Those three carries for 34 yards. I was on first half stats, by the way, too. I don't mm-hmm. think he, he recorded another uh, uh, rush after that. So I don't know. You're, you're right. We couldn't really ask that considering both the other running backs played really well, especially Nate Peak. I mean, it'd be one thing if those guys were struggling in the second half and it's still like, why didn't you do something? But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit different this weekend, but you're right. It's just something we weren't necessarily thinking of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, I I think Nate Pete leads the team in carries this week. We're supposed to get talked to him tonight. And, you know, I asked Drinkwitz, Hey, was he limited last week? And he just kind of danced around and didn't really answer the question. So I assume he was a little bit limited, uh, but, but we'll see how he goes this week. These next two questions are, are perfect. Like summation of the internet because they're direct opposite questions. A first one, if the offense under Cook stalls, what are the chances we see Luther Burden operating the offense like Lynn Bowden did for Kentucky? Draw, do you want to take that one? Um, zero. I mean, I'm just going to say the chances are very, very bad. Yeah. It's uh, zero. Um, yeah. Like we, we, I know we joked about him being third string <laughs> uh, yeah. ahead of uh, Horn and, and um, Macon. But for one – Playing quarterback is not easy. For two, he already has his own job to do, and you brought in Jack Abraham for a reason. So, right. I mean, that's just three. I could give, like, 12. Well, one you didn't mention, quarterbacks do still have to be able to throw the ball, and we don't really have any proof Luther can do that uh, effectively. And, look, I get it. You want to get the ball in his hands a lot. Using the Wildcat, I like that for a couple plays. It's not an every-down offense, guys. Mark Stoops did it out of desperation, and credit to him, he did a great job with it, with with a really good defense and a really good running game around him. That's not going to happen. Brady Cook is going to get every shot to be this team's starting quarterback, and if for some reason they go somewhere else, it's going to be Jack Abraham, at least for the first half of the season. And then once you get into the second half, who knows? So then, then the other side of this is why do some why are some people overreacting about Cook? Did they expect him to be a Heisman candidate? And I, I don't know. I mean, Brady Cook was fine last week. I thought I, I didn't think he was great, but he certainly wasn't bad. I don't think people expected him to be a Heisman candidate. But when you have someone, when you know you want a certain person to play, you know if that other person doesn't reach these super expectations or something you may think like oh well such and such could have did that like i literally seen people are saying well couldn't sam horn do the exact same thing in this one and and there's just different factors that go into it so i mean like like you said he played well this will be a big test considering this defense is something that drink admitted he hasn't really seen much of they probably won't see much of after this game so if he cannot get confused by the looks that this Three three five nickel brings, then he should be fine. Well, I'm going to be interested to see how Missouri chooses to attack it because last year against Tennessee, 
Missouri ran a 3-3-5 defense. Now, they'd never run it before. They put it in for that week. Uh, they had defensive end Jatorian Hansford at middle linebacker. I mean, Tennessee just shredded it. They ran for, like, legitimately 400 yards against it. Missouri so I think, put this defense in? Uh-huh. Missouri put that defense in for that week. It did not – I. We didn't talk to Steve Wilkes for like three weeks after that. And when they did, when we finally did, I asked him something about like why Jutorian Hansford was the guy he put in the middle. And it had been like a month ago. And he talked about how I made him sick to his stomach by asking him the question. Um, but I don't know what happened that week. Uh, and look, I think Kansas State is probably better at the 335 with a couple years of practice than Missouri was with like four days of practice. But my point is, they saw that that style of defense get shredded up close. So I'm curious now with Drinkwitz as an offensive play caller, what he thinks is going to work against this style of defense, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't pretend to be a, a, a strategist and, and know what the best thing to attack this particular uh, uh, scheme is, but having seen it, I wonder what Drinkwitz has for it. I, I think based off I watched back some of that South Dakota game uh, that Kansas State just played, and I noticed that they were going to the flats a lot. When you got five defensive backs, they're going to be trying to drop back in coverage, and hopefully that three-man rush can get in. So throwing to the flats, South Dakota didn't do it, execute it well because they were dropping right. passes and you know getting pressured. But obviously Missouri is much more talented than that, so they should be able to do that. And maybe we see – you know. Elijah Young get more touches in, in that type of game, swing pass type of games, or maybe we start seeing the screens more and the jet sweeps and stuff like that this this game. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, I, it, it's been 11 years since I've been to Manhattan, and this is there is at least some history. I like having I like having a a Power Five opponent in Week Two. Like when Missouri used to be in the Big 12, it was just four just blood donors the first four weeks of the season. You didn't even feel like the season started until October. This is a big time game that that I think could have a lot to do with the rest of the season. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm with Tim, man. I love the 11 a.m. games. I don't know about you, but that's when Missouri would kick off at 9 a.m. every Saturday if it was up to me. Uh, yeah, I'm OK with it. If I can be done and still have and the sun is still out, that's perfect to me. Perfect. Longer to get the work done, have dinner at home, watch some football. That's that's perfect. Uh, but. I, I think I, I think 9 a.m. kickoff does not happen, but um, we're looking forward to it, guys. Uh, we got interviews this afternoon at 5:30. Uh, Gerard's going to have a, a story tomorrow. Then we'll have the full breakdown on Friday morning. Uh, we're going to Raytown tomorrow for Logan Reichert. We'll be back on here hopefully tomorrow afternoon. So uh, busy week. Appreciate you all joining us, and do want to remind you one more time on the way out the door that for all your insurance needs, you want to get in touch with James Carlton in St. Louis, Missouri. He can take care of you in the state of Missouri, in the state of Illinois. Uh, he's He's got a team of eight. And breaking news, if you call James or his team, you're going to get an actual human being. They don't do voicemail. They don't put you through the automated menu. You're actually going to talk to a person. When you talk to that person, mention Power Mizzou. Tell them you heard about it here. They're going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL Collective. And if everything works out, they're also going to get you a better deal on your insurance. So uh, get in touch with James Carlton there. 314-961-4800 is the phone number. Carltoninsurance.net is the website. You can do Facebook as well. Uh, or like you're on the internet watching this, guys, just Google James Carlton State Farm. I'm sure you can find the contact information. So uh, I don't know, before we get out the door, Gerard, any uh, any parting shots, anything we missed? No, I, all I can say is uh, 
Manhattan food recommendations. Can I get that? Can I get that? Kansas City, Topeka, all of that. Uh, I haven't been to Kansas since 2009. So I need to know where you guys are, what you guys are eating. And also that feature tomorrow, it's going to have to do a lot with uh, King Felix. So stay tuned for that. There you go. So there you have it. Executive decision has been made. There will be Kansas City barbecue eaten on Thursday. After that, we will uh, see what happens. But appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, again, we'll be back right about 24 hours, a little more from Raytown High School tomorrow. See you here and uh, everything on the site till then. See you.